Thank you. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome, Professor Alfredo. It's such a pleasure to have you on board in our FP21 conference. Could you please introduce yourself? Yes, thank you very much. I'm very pleased to participate to this initiative. Uh, I, I think Africa is such a great country where there is so much potential for family firms, so I'm very, very happy to be contributing to this. I am a full professor of entrepreneurship and family business at the University of Bolzano and Lancaster University, in both Italy and UK. And in Italy, I am the director and founder of the Center for Family Business Management, where we work with family firms from around the world on, uh, on, on research, education, and uh, knowledge transfer activities. Amazing. So over to you for your presentation. Okay, thank you. Uh, I don't see the other participants. I guess uh, this, is, uh, uh, this is normal. I will share now my screen. They're on. We've got, yeah. we've got several people on. Okay, so I will share my screen and we'll be hopefully able to, to share my slide. Let me see how it works. Do you see anything? No. Let me try again, share screen. One second. Okay. Uh, let me see. Yes. Okay, so you should be able to see my screen, right? Do you confirm? Yes, we're able to see the screen. Okay. Okay, good. Good, sorry, but I use Microsoft Team for, for the, the webinar and the teaching activities that I typically do. So the topic of my lecture today is about, I will be talking with you about innovation through tradition. So I will be briefly talking with the available time uh, about the past and the future in the family business. Uh, in particular, this is, I mean, I, I also introduced the, prepared a brief presentation of myself, but I think, you know, I can share the slides after my speech, you know, just to let you know that uh, I am also the editor of Family Business Review and I'm engaged in some academic activities, but at the same time, I'm also, you know, quite interested and quite involved and engaged in practical uh, things that I do with family enterprises. That said, uh, yeah, um, innovation to tradition, you know, is a, is a kind of new way of innovating in the family enterprise and it happens when a family business is at the same time, uh, you know, wants to be at the same time strongly anchored to their past and, you know, very much looking for the future. So I will be drawing on some of the cases and examples of companies I studied and worked with to show you how some of these companies managed to realize innovation while being strongly anchored to their tradition. But before that, I want to do a brief introduction to innovation in family firms, as I think there are so many needs that actually do not really correspond to reality uh, when we consider uh, you know, corporate practice. So uh, th this is uh, uh, just a very introductory slide to report our playground. 
uh, I mean, you know, what do you mean by innovation? Of course, there are many, plenty definitions of innovation in the innovation management literature, but I decided to choose this one, which is quite old yet still a very popular one, the one by Freeman in 1976, which says that innovation basically refers to the set of activities through which a firm conceives, designs, manufactures, and introduces a new product, technology, system, or technique. So if we agree with this definition of innovation, it's clear that innovation means developing new knowledge or acquiring this knowledge because it's about you know new knowledge and you know applying this knowledge to some kind of commercial ends and this is the playground that i want to keep in mind but when we discuss innovation you know in the context of a family business we know that innovation is different and very often i like to start my speech with cartoons that reflects typical situation that i face when i work with uh, family business leaders, owners, and managers. So here, for example, you have the family owner manager, you see here, who has been investing in a kind of uh, innovative ICT system and says, despite the substantial investment in technology, we are still not saving any money. I now have to financially support my family who have all been replaced by computer. So if on the one hand, you know, he has done some investment, we know that in a family firm, different from a family enterprise, there is something which is family altruism that makes it very difficult to relocate some family members if you don't need them anymore, and even more to fire them. And here on the right, there is another very typical situation. You know, there is the, the father here on the right and his son, and the son is looking at the father and says, hey dad, why are you so worried? I'm just going to transform our firm, turn it 360 degrees. And you can see that the father is quite scared about that, which again points to a very typical uh, conflicts that you have between two generations of family firms. On the one hand, you have the new generation, that is the generation of those that for a number of reasons are very much inclined to change, to innovate. You know, those are those who have been living in the, in the world of social networks, social media, uh, are very much typically used to travel, speak many languages. And on the other hand, you have the senior generation, that is the generation of those who have been building the empire and want to preserve and protect it. And so there are clashes, there are gaps between these two generations, both in terms of culture, cultural gaps and motivational gaps. And of course, you know, if you work with a family business and want to make it more innovative, you need to uh, handle such gaps. Um, Another point is that, so uh, as, I st as I said at the beginning of my speech, uh, you know, family firms are very often stigmatized. I mean, you know, if you read even the media or whatever, they typically are stigmatized as a type of business organi organization which is conservative, path dependent, reluctant to innovate, very much anchored to their tradition. I mean, this is the typical image that is conveyed about this kind of family enterprises. And, you know, this gets even worse when you read the media and the press, because too often we read articles, pieces saying family firms don't innovate, family firms do not take risks, family firms only innovate incrementally. 
So when I, you know, together with some other colleagues now more than 10 years ago, started working in the realm of innovation management in family firms, our starting point was, is this true? Is it true that family firms do not innovate? Or is this just Greek mythology? Because how is it possible then that, you know, in the real world, we have so many companies, so many family companies that are, you know, very innovative. And indeed, you know, facts and statistics from all over the world are quite clear in pointing to the fact that if family firms basically dominate any world economy, here on this slide on the left, you, you can find some, uh, I mean, some percentage of the proportion of family firms uh, in, in different uh, geographies. So we know, for example, that in Europe, nearly 85% of companies are family firms, but in any economy worldwide, family firms are the dominant type of business organization. And if you consider, for example, Italy, in Italy, you know, even if you consider listed companies, almost 50% of them are family firms. So if they dominate basically any world economy, it means they, that they must be innovative because we know that innovation is uh, very much important. It's a key determinant of the long-term competitive advantage of any company. And here, you know, you find, I, I just copy-pasted some brands from some family firms that are quite well known all over the world and that are, you know, clearly family firms that distinguish themselves for their efforts and recognition in terms of innovation. So family firms are typically innovative. The, the key point is that, you know, the way they make decisions and therefore the way they innovate is different as compared to a non-family company. And so if you want to help a family business to become more innovative, it becomes very important that you understand how differently they behave and how differently they make innovation decisions. And most of my published study and research is exactly about that, has been aimed, has been focused on understanding what are the differences in the way innovation is managed and organized in the context of a family business. Um, one important thing from my, in my view about family business innovation is a typical paradox that characterizes uh, innovation in family firms. And I think the easiest way to understand this paradox is through the words of Niccolò Pellini, who is the third generation owner of Pellini Cafe. It's, uh, they are uh, coffee makers uh, in Verona, in Northern Italy. And you know, during one of the interviews with me, he, tell, he told me once, you know, it's really frustrating to be recognized for our ability to handle complex innovation projects and realizing that our innovation and organizational environment reduces this position to change. I mean, behind these lines, what is clear and what clearly I can tell you emerged also talking with this guy was a very strong tension between, on the one hand, the fact that they are they know that they would be better able to innovate. They have the ability in terms of discretion, in terms of management power of the family to make things happen and to innovate. But at the same time, they lack the willingness. He says, 
uh, I realized that our organizational environment reduces this position to change. And so this points to a very typical paradox that I and some other colleagues, uh, Jim Crisman, Jess Chua, Federico Frattini and Mike Wright describe in this article, which by the way, I will make available uh, at the end of my presentation, I've reported the bibliography as top references and also the link to a Dropbox folder where you can download all these articles that I mentioned in my presentation. And this is a paradox. There is a paradox because for a number of reasons, family firms are characterized by a higher ability to innovate, yet they have a lower willingness to do so. And you know, while the ability is something that is related you know, to the discretion, to the, to the power of the handling family to execute innovation, the willingness is something which is more related to the, to the goals, to the intention, to the motivation. And so they get stuck because they are higher able yet lower willing to innovate and very often get stuck. And so, you know, as a consultant, as a family business leader, you know, if you want to, to work, to help a family firm, to become more innovative, actually you have to work especially on the willingness side rather than on the ability one. And so this is a very, very important uh, paradox. Now, um, what happens? What happens is that due to this paradox, then we know that family firms sometimes get stuck to innovation. Yet, some of these family firms are able to do so, and in particular, some of them are able to innovate without discharging their tradition. And so this is what uh, I will be telling you now by introducing the topic of innovation to tradition. This is, again, uh, a, a, a kind of new paradigm in the, in the way you look at innovation management in the context of a family enterprise. And here, you know, you find some of, uh, you know, the academic as well as practice-oriented uh, art outlets where I and some other colleagues, I'm mentioning Federico Frattini, Josip Kotlar, Antonio Messini Petruzzelli and Mike Wright, for example, but also Manuela Rondi and Irma Erdogan, uh, where we, you know, did research, we are still doing research and we published research on aiming to understand how family firms uh, execute, manage and execute innovation to tradition. And so let me introduce uh, briefly uh, the, the point. I mean, one key thing, if you consider a family business, and if you consider especially the innovation management literature, you know, in the innovation management literature, of course, we have plenty of books, plenty of papers, but the key message, the very simple message that emerges for managers is if you want to make the way for the future, the way for the new, just forget about the past. So the key simple message emerging from the innovation management literature is if you want to look at the future, just forget about the past. Indeed, you know, if you have read innovation management handbooks or academic papers in innovation management, you have seen that very often the past is depicted as a cause of path dependence, as something that leads to organizational inertia, to inflexibility. Other scholars depict the past as a source of resistance to change or as an excuse, organizational excuse to perpetuate the status quo. I mean, you know, academics have been very creative in finding a number of possible reasons, but in the end, the key message is this. Do you want to make a way for the new in your organization? Then just forget about the past. But in family firms, we know that the past, the tradition is very important. 
because the values and beliefs of the founding family are handed down from generation to generation, because the organizational culture and identity closely reflect the way the firm has operated in the past, because family history pervades business practices and creates a close link between the families and the firm's tradition. So family firms are a particular organizational setting where the past and their tradition is very, very visible and very, very important. And, uh, you know, when uh, I started doing research on innovation to tradition, my starting point was, okay, but if we follow the best practice that come from the innovation management literature, which says that we should dismiss the past in order to make the way for the new, probably, you know, this might not work so well in the context of a family firm. This might even be counterproductive in the context of family firms, especially if we consider that we have in the corporate practice so many family firms and they've been very lucky you know, in uh, having had the possibility of working with them, but so many family firms that are at the same time very much anchored to their tradition and very much, um, you know, uh, very good at innovating. And so, you know, what, uh, uh, what we try to say in this stream of research is that if you only focus on the most recent knowledge, and so really forget about the past and about the oldest knowledge, to innovate, the risk is to encounter a recency bias. A recency bias means that if we give excessive weight to the most recent knowledge, firms risk to overlook the potential benefits of old knowledge. And here I have reported some examples of this. I mean, you know, you may know 2UU. 2UU is a Nobel Prize winner for medicine. She has neither a PhD in medicine nor, you know, a medical background. And she got the Nobel Prize for medicine just by studying, you know, very ancient books where she found that there were, that there were some herbal medicines that could be used to treat uh, malaria patients. And so she discovered a new drug for treating malaria in a quite different way, just, you know, resorting very back, very far away, very, in a very temporally distant uh, way to, uh, on, the, on, the, on the very, very old knowledge. And this is another case you may all know, Polaroid. As you know, Polaroid was kind of famous in the 70s because they were kind of leading the, of leading the instant camera market. You know, this company, which, uh, you know, by the time was a family business, uh, at some point decided to abandon its past knowledge in instant cameras to um, embrace, to start producing only digital cameras. And the company was almost on the point of going bankrupt until they started again with the campaign Instant is Back, which is a campaign where this company kind of recombined the old knowledge in instant camera pertaining to the past with the new digital technologies. And so it's another example of a company that at some point started doing what we label as innovation through tradition, and I will tell you more about this in a, in a while. And so it's another example that shows that actually, you know, overlooking the potential benefits, many companies 
might overlook the potential benefits of all knowledge and overlooking such benefits uh, you know, can be problematic because actually the past, the tradition, uh, can be quite important, uh, strategically speaking. And I will tell you something more in a while. So this uh, stream of, of, of research aims at understanding how family businesses leverage their past and their tradition and use this as a strategic resource to produce, to realize innovation, more specifically product innovation. So what do we mean by tradition? You know, again, I have copy pasted here one of the possible definitions, which in my view, uh, characterize well the concept, which is the one, by the way, that we give in a, one of our papers. Tradition refers to the stock of knowledge, competencies, materials, manufacturing processes, product science, values and beliefs pertaining to the past. So if you agree with this definition, it will be kind of clear that tradition is about know-how, is about knowledge, but it's also about symbolic and cultural content. And tradition is also important because, you know, it's also about the micro-institutions of practice that are handed down across generations. Think about, for example, the tradition that you have, you know, in the, uh, you know, for example, in the, in the, in the uh, sewing companies that follow the traditional sewing techniques uh, of, for example, I don't know, Sartoria Milanese in the Milan area. But tradition can also be about product signs. Product signs are combinations of color and text that convey some kind of meaning to the final customer. This is, for example, I copy pasted here, you know, uh, an image reporting a typical texture of the Missoni, you know, the famous Missoni uh, fashion family-owned company, the Missoni family-owned company. And you can see that, you know, you really see their tradition in their, in, their, in their texture. So tradition shapes the identity of individuals, organizations, and territories. And it's very important, as I anticipated before, strategically speaking, both in terms of value creation and in terms of value capture. You know, in terms of value creation, it's important because uh, there are theories in, um, I mean, tradition elicits strong and positive feelings in the, in the end, in the, in, in the customers in the end. Yeah, because, you know, um, there are theories in psychology and sociology showing that each, arguing that each of us uh, look with very positive eyes to the golden age of the past. So if you are able to produce a new products that embed the tradition of your family or your company or of the territory where the company operates, this typically uh, brings, uh, um, you know, um, I mean, this is seen positive, in a very positive way by the customer. And tradition also increases the legitimacy and the reliability of the products that you introduce on the market. Moreover, there are also advantages in terms of value capture, because of course, the tradition is idiosyncratic to yourself. I mean, it's your own tradition. So when you um, are able, if you are able to really realize a product that embeds the tradition in it, the tradition of your company or the territory, I mean, this can not be easily replicated by others. And so there are advantages both in, value, in terms of value creation and in terms of value capture. And we started, and I will go quick on this because, uh, you know, time is running out, but we started a number of companies. This is, for example, Aboca is an Italian pharmaceutical company that produces medicines using uh, natural, uh, natural herbs, basically. 
This is another, another company. This is a, a, a company, Apreamare. They produce uh, now private um, yachts, uh, yachts for private uh, people, and they transformed the Gozzo Sorrentino, who was a typical boat for fishermen, into, into this kind of boats. This is uh, quite famous, Beretta. They are a 16 generation family company. Uh, that uh, you know are very very good at recombining their tradition and doing innovation to tradition. Uh, Vibram is another interesting case. This is a company. They are supplier of most of the uh, soles that you see in many shoots around the world. But amongst other things, uh, they were they invented these uh, five finger shoes. And if you talk with this family, I mean this family is really very much driven by the belief that the human being can achieve a, a true fulfillment only if you remove the barriers between human beings and the external environment. And they were instead, for example, supporters of the barefoot move, movement. And inspired by this uh, intangible aspect of tradition, they came across, they, they, they invented this uh, innovation, the five finger shoot, which is another one that we started. Lavazza is another company. Here we started, you know, the coffee for astronauts where they recombine new technology with the traditional blending techniques to, I don't see, I see somebody is writing, but I don't see what. Let me see. I have to, I really cannot see much. Let me see. Hi, Professor. We can take yeah. the questions once you're done with the presentation. Yes, I will have just, uh, you know, one or two more slides and I'm done if okay. it's okay. It's okay? okay. Yes, that's yeah. fine. Thank you. Do you still see my screen or not? We see many things on your screen. Okay, good. <laughs> I will go back to the presentation. I don't know why it keeps crashing. I mean, it seems that my Mac is not a big... A big fan of this but yes i wanted just you know here this is the slide yeah. so basically and then i will be more than happy to to answer questions from the public but basically what we found if you see the slide this is you know the how this company uh, have been discovered to realize innovation to tradition so basically do you see it no it's keep crashing no no it's gone now sorry Here we go. Hopefully, you will be able to see it. Do you see it? We see it for some. Yes. Okay. Yep. Good. So basically, what did we what we what did we learn? I mean, from these companies that, as I told you, are companies that are at the same time very innovative yet very much anchored to their past. We found that these are companies that are characterized by two important capabilities that we called interiorization and reinterpretation so one end they are very good at interior at interiorizing all this you know past knowledge that comes from can come from different sources could be you know the firm tradition or the territory tradition as i told you and they're very good interiorizing very simply speaking means at bringing they're very good at bringing this knowledge very close to everybody within the organization 
So rather than losing the old knowledge, rather than forgetting, they're very good at bringing it very close to everyone, even the last employee of the organization. Then once this past knowledge has been interiorized, and so you know, it becomes kind of, it, it, it is translated into one of the forms of past knowledge. As I told you, it could be more intangible ones, like the basic assumption and beliefs of Vibram, the company Vibram, or you know, more tangible ones, like raw materials, product science, or manufacturing processes. These companies are very good at reinterpreting. You know, when you introduce a new innovation, a new product on the market, you have to reinterpret, you have to contextualize some these old things with the current uh, situation, environment, with the current um, time, uh, time, time chrono context, as we say. And so they are very good at reinterpreting these. And our research shows that there are some specific practices, and this is very, really the last slides, that these companies use. So these companies use a number of practices that here in these slides you find categorized in four uh, main groups. Some of them use historical narratives, which means that they're very good at storytelling. They're very good at internally and externally communicating this heritage, this tradition. So they make use of this. Another group of practices refers to what we call ancestor symbolization, which refers to the use of symbols and visual objects that call to mind the heritage. So, you know, for example, they use, if you enter the, these companies, you see this is, you know, in, in the quarter of Aboca, you see the seeds of, the, of one of the main herbs that they use in their innovation. So they are very good at doing this using visuals. Other companies use statues of ancestors, etc., etc. Another group of practices uh, I called, uh, we, that we call emotion solicitation refers to the creation of events that foster social emotional attachment to the heritage and the tradition. So for, for example, some of these companies, you know, uh, used to have the same holidays in the same family villa where they create some events to remember and celebrate the good events of the past, etc., etc., and finally, the last group of uh, practices uh, is what we refer to as legacy councils, which refers to the establishment of working governing bodies that preserve and convey the heritage across generations. Some of these companies, for example, use the family council as a way, you know, to keep tradition alive. Others have created uh, some other boards that they call legacy council in other circumstances. But what is important is that they put effort, they understand that their past can be uh, very uh, you know, valuable, strategy, strategically speaking, and they put efforts in uh, you know, leveraging this past to create and to produce innovation. And of course, innovation to tradition, to conclude, can also be a very you know, powerful way to resolve or at least to manage the innovation paradox in family firms. Because if your fathers, if the senior generations, if your fathers or mothers are scared about innovation because they want to protect, and you convince them that you are able to, you know, innovating doesn't mean to discharge this past, then it can become a very, a very uh, useful and powerful way, you know, to make a family firm innovate and so to resolve uh, that paradox. And with this, I want to thank you very much for your attention. Uh, the time was really limited, but now I'm more than happy uh, to spend time with you in Q&As. Thank you very much.
Thank you so much, Professor Demasi, for such an interesting take and presentation. You are most welcome. Um, we have a couple of questions. Um, I'll start off the questions from an yes. Yvonne, who's asking, how are regional innovation systems likely to affect family traditions, hence family business innovation and management? Mm -hmm. Re regional inno innovation systems, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, the external context uh, plays a very important role, uh, uh, you know, very generally speaking. Uh, of course, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the innovation system in the region plays a very important role, uh, not only because it can shape, of course, the tradition, uh, which means, you know, it can shape the heritage of a territory and also the heritage of the firm where the territory is uh, operates. But also because the innovations, the regional innovation systems and the policies that the regional level can be put in place also affect the culture that the company develops when it approaches innovation activities. And so there is, uh, you know, a very strong effect. Let's not forget that when you operate in a region which is particularly advanced in terms of innovation system, in terms of policies that are put in place, you know, to foster and support innovation. Typically, these companies also become more open to collaborate with external environment and sometimes, especially for the smallest family firms, such kind of collaborative strategies are particularly important in innovation because they lack the, 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 the resources that are needed, uh, you know, uh, to, 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 to innovate as compared to the bigger players inside. And we have another question from Daniel. Um, he says, thank you for the presentation. What demographical connections or patterns do you see in relation to the innovation within family firms? Well, that's a very good question. Thank you, Daniel, for, uh, for asking this question. I mean, you know, what I see is that uh, innovation in the family business context very often is driven by the, by the new generation. And this should not be a surprise. Because for a number of reasons, you know, biological, uh, but also social, uh, you know, the new generation, as I told you, is the generation of those who want to uh, bring new change because they are less attached as compared to the previous one, who, you know, to the, to, to the status quo. But also because they are those who speak many languages, are used to travel, are used to master the social media. So, uh, the, 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 there is uh, typically the trigger comes from the next from the new generation so demographically speaking I'm referring to kind of young people within this company but we cannot forget as I usually say is that you cannot realize in a successful way innovation in a family business if you don't have a collaboration between the, the, the new and the senior generation so in the end the key things is to convince both of them that they need to collaborate and convincing them in practice is not always so easy because there are gaps between the two uh, cultural because these are people who have been living in different worlds but also motivational because one thing if if you inherit the company from your father or mother and the completely different thing is if you created and founded the company your motivations will be different so yeah to answer the question is 
The trigger is in the next generation, but it's very, very important, a double collaboration, because otherwise innovation doesn't stop. I've, some, I've seen so many innovation attempts in family business that failed just because you know, the senior generation was strongly against them. And until the succession is fully realized, we cannot forget that the power is in the hands of the current leader, so in the senior generation. Um, another question is the opposite the case too. For instance, in smaller regions where family businesses dominate or are gatekeepers, is, is it possible that family histories and innovations dominate the regional innovation systems? Well, I mean, of course, you know, one, your question points to a potential risks. You know, the risk is that if tradition is the only prevailing things, so, you know, if there is too much tradition, but you forget about using it to innovate, then, you know, this is not a positive circumstance because only tradition doesn't work either because we know that without innovation, no company can survive without innovation. Innovation is important for every company, you know, from the most successful, both those that are currently successful and those that are not. If you want to maintain a sustainable competitive advantage in the long term, you need to innovate. So, of course, you know, in some region, I mean, I tend to see those regions, you know, like, for example, the one where I currently live in northern Italy, that have a strong tradition as a region with a high potential in terms of innovation. These are sometimes regions that have not yet fully exploited this potential, but tradition can exploit, can, 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 uh, can exercise a very high potential. Uh, the, the thing with innovation to tradition is, you know, being endowed, the key thing is being endowed with this capability of mastering the two. So, which means, you know, using this tradition to produce new products and to produce new innovation. I don't know if you answered your question or not. Um, we'll just wait to hear from Ivan yes. again. Um, I think the next question, Nikki. Yes, there's one from Foluca. Um, first generation family businesses tend to have poor institutional memory by way of inconsistent documentation and I'm guessing informal knowledge sharing. Do you think that impacts on the tradition passed down to future generations? Mm -hmm. You mean poor institutional memory, right? Poor yes, poor, yeah. Yes, I mean, of course, you know, the, the, of course, the, the new generation, the next generation, as compared to the previous ones, have, uh, you know, uh, the, their institutional memory um, uh, is, is lower. It's, it's natural that it's lower. This is why it is particularly important in a family company to, uh, um, to keep alive so the memory of the of the past of the history of their tradition i mean you know many family firms have understood that their history their tradition their past uh, can be really a very much a very important source not only of innovation but also of motivation for their people without uh, you know uh, disclosing the name but have been working for example with a co family brand company in the retail industry where the founder you know, asked us to help them with the storytelling because he said, we need to find an effective way to convey stories about our family, about what our branches did in the past, because I strongly believe that our new strategy should be strongly informed by that. And I strongly believe in this. 
I strongly believe in the power of history, especially when you talk about innovation. I know that you know blending history with innovation sounds like an oxymoron to some extent, but it's not because you know, and I'm not inventing anything myself because we can look in the real world and we can look at so many companies that are uh, you know internationally recognized as champions in innovation and you know are at the same time very traditional a very good example in the world are the family firms from the german mitterstand you know in the german mitterstand there are these companies that are typically small companies multi medium companies medium sized companies multi generational that are you know recognized as global innovation you know leader uh, sometimes they open a very tiny niche and these are companies where their tradition is very much alive these are companies you know where if you speak I've been doing research even on them and I've been interviewing some of them you know from the smaller one to the larger one for example Fiber Castell Faber Castell you know they produce pencils uh, since many generations is an example of this so um, yeah, I mean, so, so this is my point of view. History and innovation can go hand by hand if you learn how to do that. And, you know, there are different ways to do that. Of course, you know, we had limited time today, but, you know, just to give an example, this is how innovation to tradition works, if you still see my screen, uh, you know, in one of these companies. This is the project they put in place, and this is a company that uses you know, uh, a library and historical museum, uh, you know, uh, makes a strategic use of evocative artifacts to make it happen. But if you learn how to do that, every family business with a history uh, can uh, realize innovation uh, through tradition. Then we have a question, I think it's the final question from Timmy Topis. Yes who's asking, do you have any simple tips on how we can bring the knowledge closer to all employees in the business? Yes, uh, I, think, uh, I think there are a number of things. So you can act at the governance level, for example, you can make a smarter use, for example, of the family council, or some company creates some legacy council, you know, to emphasize even more, you know, their attention to the legacy. Uh, which is by definition a transgenerational concept. And so you can create family councils, for example, and use them to celebrate what has been done in the past, to stimulate the young generations to, you know, understand and, you know, expose the values coming from the past. At the uh, more um, storytelling level, you can use more strategically the communication. So uh, many families, uh, many illuminated families, I would like to say, you know, make uh, a very good use of communication, both internally communicating the history, their tradition, their heritage within the organization, to the people within the organization, but also to the external stakeholders. You know, companies, for example, put efforts in creating, you know, books, in creating narratives for their external stakeholders to put themselves in a specific context. Another thing, another level is at more at an, at an event level or a more organizational level. Some of these companies organize real events where they try to stimulate a kind of, you know, social emotional affection toward tradition, toward history, toward the past. 
And finally, of course, even in the layout of the, of the building, of the rooms, of the boardrooms, I've done, for example, a study, I've currently done a study working with several uh, directors of Italian family firms, when we looked also at how some of them, uh, you know, prepared the boardroom before the board in order to stimulate some specific aspects. And so, you know, there are some companies that have been visiting that use, you know, things uh, pertaining to the past, like past awards, like, you know, status of previous founders of Ancestor, etc., also to keep alive the past and to make sure, you know, that it's not forgotten and also that it's understood because, you know, besides not forgetting the past, it's also very important that the, the new generation, who again lives in a different world, realize and understands that past, that past knowledge in order to use it at best. One of the companies I've been studying, you know, for this innovation tool tradition is this company that I already mentioned, Haboka. They created an historical database, for example, where they stored in a very systematic way all these pieces of knowledge pertaining to the past. And then besides that, they also created the, what they call Biblioteca Antica, an historical library, a museum, and a number of other things. So there are things that in practice, family companies can do. Thank you so much, Professor Alfredo. That was incredibly insightful. Um, Thank you. Should anyone want to get in touch with you? How can they get in touch with yes. you? Yes, I mean, do you still see my screen or not? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. So yes. here, you know, in this presentation, I've reported some of my contacts. So here you have the email, my Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn contacts. Uh, at the end of my presentation, I've also put together some references on innovation in family firms. And, uh, you know, since uh, it, there is also a link to a Dropbox folder where if you want, uh, you, that you, you can share with the participants because from there they can download, you know, some of the papers and even more, uh, many others that I shared. So I encourage everyone to stay in touch with me via email or through the socials. I'm on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, so yes, feel free to, to keep in touch. I'm also on Instagram. I thank you very much, uh, each of you for the invitation and the attendees for their time. I hope, uh, you know, in such a limited uh, time slot, I was, that I was at least able to convey the essence of this new innovation strategy that we call innovation to tradition. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes, you did, for sure. And we'll share that link with the participants. Um, That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye bye.